the Bicep, the Monday podcast. And we are really happy for our guest today. Our guest today is a CEO, advisor, strategist, investor, and expert in business marketing, consumer fitness, finance, and, and technology trends. We are so happy to welcome the CEO of Core Health and Fitness, Brian O'Rourke. Thank you for your time and to joining our podcast. Marcus, Stefan, what an honor to be on your wonderful podcast. I've been listening to you, so it's been great to hear your uh, guests and your views. Yeah, that, we are that's honored nice. having you on the on this episode. But of course, if we have a high position new employee at Core. It's always our intention to get this person as fast as possible in front of our microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's jump into it. Um, yeah, for the I would say one to one to two percent of the audience who don't know you yet, um, could you explain a little bit of your background? How to how do you came to the fitness industry? And what made you to accept the CEO position at CORE? So my background originally is in finance, and uh, I was in the food business for a long time. I worked with an entrepreneur by the name of Al Copeland out of New Orleans, who was the founder of Popeye's Famous Fried Chicken. And uh, I ended up growing uh, with him and his business. So we owned hotels, real estate, restaurants, uh, manufacturing uh, for food, distribution, those type of things. So I was uh, the chief financial officer of his business. And then in the early 90s, so it shows you how old I am. In the early 90s, um, I began working with other concepts. And uh, I got into uh, health when I was one of the original um, uh, people involved with a company called Smoothie King. And that was back in the 90s. and uh, Uh, we put Smoothie Kings in 24-hour fitnesses uh, at the time, and that was in the mid-90s. And then in uh, outside of other roles I'd been in uh, uh, with my background in uh, the late 90s, my wife and partner Maureen uh, began working with uh, Franco's Athletic Club in the New Orleans area. And um, I began doing advisory work for uh, certain Uh, health club operators in the late 90s. Um, and so I learned, I began learning about the industry. I put a financial deal together in the space and the Francos uh, were quite well known back then um, in the industry. So we got a pretty good exposure to the business. And that was 25 years ago or more actually. So, uh, you know, we, uh, so that was like 28 years ago is when I first started getting involved. And then uh, from there, Uh, we purchased the distribution uh, territory for Les Mills International, and I grew, uh, sold group fitness to hundreds of clubs, and we certified tens of thousands of instructors. And then I began doing a lot of other things and eventually becoming uh, quite active in mergers and acquisitions in the space. Uh, and then I, I've owned, uh, you know, health club chains and been involved in many different aspects of the industry. I first uh, met... Uh, our chairman, Mr. Bruno, uh, uh, almost 15 years ago, uh, when he was just had just completed the Schwinn uh, and uh, Stair, uh, Stairmaster acquisitions. And I began advising he and his family's trust on various matters. 
uh, and then ultimately uh, involving myself in the transaction wherein Gainline came on board as a financial partner to the business. So I've also served in, uh, on the URSA board of directors. I've been quite active in Europe Active and uh, many of the international organizations. I've contributed to what's going to be nine books now in the space and had done a wide variety of things. So that's a long answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was in detail. Uh, that's funny because uh, Stefan and myself, we both came from the food industry before we changed, um, yeah, into the fitness industry. And uh, I read a little bit about you that your grandfather is or was German. So yes. you have German roots. Did you speak a little German or nothing? <laughs> my son does did. I did long ago when I was little. My uh, my grandfather, John, God bless him, uh, his name was Treitler. And uh, uh, that was his name. Um, so they, uh, my uh, great-grandfather actually was born in Germany. Um, I was born right, right, he passed right after I was born. So I didn't get to spend much time with him. But uh, we have very Germanic roots. Um, so I'm part French, German, and uh, a little Irish. So uh, I've definitely, my grandmother on my uh, dad's side uh, spoke fluent French. My, uh, so we, we, you know, we had, I had that. I'm old enough to remember those times where I had uh, great grandparents who spoke other languages. I'm, I'm sad to know that uh, that doesn't happen as often in the United States as it used to. Yeah, and I, I worked for Les Mills, not directly. It was a HDD group. I think you know the HDD group from the Netherlands, and I was uh, with the German department, and we sold the equipment. And yeah. it was just before uh, I came to Core Health and Fitness. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jan, remember Jan? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and after this uh, escape fitness for Matthew Janucek, yeah. so this. It's a little bit about my background. And now I would like to give over to, to Stefan, to your question and a little hey, talk. To get, to get my connection to the Dutch guys, I, uh, I've i been working for Health City for various years. So I know Jan Middelkamp, Brené Moos and all these guys, because also this fitness industry in the Netherlands is quite small. Let's say you always get connected with the same people actually. Yes, yes, that's very true. And the Netherlands have said, well, you look at basic fit and uh, other, you know, technology side of things. I mean, the Netherlands are quite prolific in their contributions to the global market. Yep. Yep. We were actually we were we were actually laughing when René Moos years ago said we will do double our club size within five years, and everybody was okay. He has dreams. So, and then they took over these uh, fitness first clubs, first step, and they became bigger and bigger. And when you see how basic fit is growing and developing, it's really impressive what these guys it, are doing. It is. I, I had the pleasure of providing a private presentation to their management team at URSA this year. And then also a year ago, I had the opportunity to uh, visit their headquarters and spend time with some of their senior leadership. And I've said for many years that I think BasicFit is the most sophisticated global operator in the industry today. Yep, yep. And between the two of us, the third guy on the podcast actually is 
riding or is doing indoor cycling for them for the for the digital platform because every time they need German content, they ask Marcus. So <laughs> there's there's the connection. <laughs> yeah, makes sense to me. <laughs> it's funny. Okay, so let's let's get it on. Um, we see we see internationally an increasing digitalization in the fitness not only in the fitness sector but also in the fitness sector, especially since this COVID situation. And uh, in parallel, which is for maybe some people quite strange, you have digitalization on one hand, but also a strong trend towards barbell training, free weights, uh, lifting platforms, plate loaded rigs and racks. On the other hand. And uh, my question is, what do you what do you think? Which trends will increase over the next few years? And okay, that's not that easy for you for sure. <laughs> uh, if you were to venture a prediction, what will the layout of a typical fitness club will look like, let's say in 10 years? Uh, that's a big question. So you asked me two questions. You said basically first you talked about trends with digitalization. Um um, so, uh, you know, I want to talk about that. Then I'll uh, then I'll talk about ten years uh, uh, hence. Um, so first, it's it's the age of consumer choice. So what we're seeing is a proliferation of, of course, strength. It's the latest fad. It's the the latest thing. You know, plate loaded being a big deal, as you know, at core and and other data I've seen in the last few, it's increased by almost two hundred fifty percent as a as its growth in the segment of, of, of strength as compared to uh, other classifications of training equipment. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, that's the science. It's the latest thing. Um, it, you know, I'm a big believer in strength training, but VO2 max is also a very, a very important predictor of longevity as well. I think, I think like anything, sometimes people try to go too far on each side, you know, in the end, it's great to do strength training, but it's also very good to do a balance of uh, of cardio, fitness, and strength uh, because you, uh, you of course, want to have strength. You know, falls are a very uh, real predictor of people's uh, mortality. So you want to have a strong core. You want to have strength, uh, especially if you, as you age. But you don't want to also forget about the relevance of cardiovascular uh, uh, fitness and VO2 max. So. I think uh, I think at some point strength will start to level out in its rele relevancy. We've seen for many years uh, trends that come and go a little bit. Um, uh, indoor cycling, for example, was all the rage several years ago. It's it's kind of come down a little bit. Not that it's less popular. It's just you know all these modalities go through ups and downs. Um, you know, just like we see. Uh, uh, EMS now coming to the stage. You know, um, you know there are all these things that will come and go. Um, and I think when it comes to uh, digitization around that, we are just now starting to uh, deal with digitization and omni-channel. It's, it's a thing. I think it's going to remain being a thing because of convenience. Uh, basically, you know, getting in a car and going to a club is not always convenient for people. And so they're, if they're traveling or they're, uh, they're trying to live a lifestyle um, where they can experience fitness uh, wherever and whenever they want, I think it's still going to be something that is going to be desired increasingly. 
And what's going to be interesting, I think, that relates to your question, Stefan, with regards to 10 years from now, um, a predictive uh, a artificial and general artificial intelligence you will see emerging in the next 36 to 60 months, uh, intelligent health agents who will be your guide for your health uh, that will reside in your phone and other devices that will assimilate like Apple Fitness is doing, Wivings is doing, uh, all these different uh, uh, Whoop is doing where collecting data and then becoming having an agent that's like a psychological human expert that's talking to you and interfacing with you to guide you so that you can you can pick from a menu of things that you may want to experience and that that intelligent agent is going to help you understand more and more about your own health i think digitization won't just be about content it's it's going to be a two-way conversation with with an intelligent agent. I think that's a real thing. And you, you see these things starting to emerge already. As far as facilities go in the long run, you know, I think they're gonna take all kinds of shapes and form in the next 10 years. You're going to have many concepts that we can't even imagine today because of a few things. Number one, the advancement of technologies uh, will continue to develop and deliver experiences we can't even anticipate yet. Number two is what I'm going to refer to right now as the Ozempic effect. So what we're seeing with the new classification of drugs, thanks to our uh, scientists in the Netherlands, <laughs> uh, you know, is these new class of drugs which are gonna help people control uh, their weight. And I really think this is an underestimated impact on the overall demand for fitness offerings. The number one barrier to people attending fitness classes is self, them being nervous, scared, and self-conscious. When people start losing 10 to 20% of their body weight, what that means is we're going to open up 20 to 30% of the marketplace to start going to clubs that wouldn't go before. Uh, we, we've seen in the stock market, PepsiCo experienced declines in their share price. We've seen airlines start to forecast higher earnings because of the weight of passengers are going to go down. And, and what we don't hear many people talking about is how this is going to impact the fitness industry in a positive way. So when you think 10 years out from now, the marketplace is going to be significantly larger than it is today. Um, and because of aging uh, being the primary driver and demographic driver, aging populations in Germany and in, you know, throughout Europe, throughout other parts of the world, I think more holistic health and integrated health solutions and services that incorporate fitness, well-being, strength, uh, mind-body, uh, including, uh, including medical treatments. Like we see Lifetime now doing Wagovi with their customers. We see, I think you're going to see a real, a real evolution of a variety of different new types of concepts that, um, we don't even have today. Long yeah. answer to your questions. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great, great answer to the question. And um, th thank you for mentioning AI. AI is a, a thing. It's for me, I think it's a, a big opportunity. And um, some people are scared 
but I don't think that we should be scared because AI only brings out what we all brought in. It takes all the information from the internet and it's a perfect mirror of the human race. So for, for me, it's it's great. Um, small story for me. Um, I worked as personal trainer in the club I worked. They gave me a call, I think it's a half year ago. And um, I said, could you please help us? We have a, a client here. She only speaks English. She's from India and she uh, wants to lose weight and uh, have a little bit of personal training. And I went there. I showed her some um, things to do in the gym. And then she asked me to to make her a nutrition plan. And then I thought, how can I do this? And I, I used the AI JetGPT and I typed in, please uh, do me a nutrition plan with Indian foods, calorie based on this with uh, low carbs. And it took, I don't know, five seconds, copy and paste WhatsApp. And she was, she was so happy about this and said, thank you a lot. How did you do this? And if I think how many time I had wasted before to search all these things together to, to make this nutrition plan. So I think it's a great tool for the fitness industry. <laughs> it's just the beginning uh, because what ultimately, imagine that you had a nutritionist, a sports psychologist, the top people in the world at your fingertips, and they understood your human thinking, the way you were as a mm -hmm. person, and be able to customize how it persuades you to make the right choices. Very powerful. Yeah, great. Um, and you mentioned the well-being things that are coming up. I, I've got the feeling since COVID that raised a lot, uh, that, that, that people more in their well-being and how they feel and not like before, faster, higher, stronger, and, and like this, a little bit more inside of them and we see different boutique offers which come up now and what's your opinion what we will see in the next years in the clubs in this sector yeah well so uh i mean it's offers so many different things um you know and many of these things have been around you know you see um a massage, cold plunge, uh, you know, all these types of recovery uh, dynamics. Now, the red infrared, the sauna, the uh, all these different dynamics in recovery coming together. Um, and I think that, you know, it's ironic because these things in many cases have been around for many years. <laughs> so like we said before, you see trends, right? Uh, mm. uh, they come and they kind of fade and then they come back. Um, I think... Um, However, those things are packaged, it's really around delivering um, uh, for people a sense of, 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 of health that is beyond just fitness. Uh, it's a sense of well-being, a sense of, uh, of gratitude, a sense of being thankful, uh, the things that exercise does bring, but you know, with proper nutrition, with proper rest, with the importance of like cold plunge, sauna, these other dynamics, massage, um, you know, there's so many other aspects of, uh, of health. And I just think you're seeing uh, these things uh, packaged and offered in new ways that make their use uh, uh, easier for clients. Um, and I think that's going to continue. And as I mentioned before, I think there are going to be other things that we can't even anticipate right now. 
that will will emerge, especially uh, uh, in the way of uh, of, of health. Uh, there are a lot of medical technologies that are being worked on now that uh, that have cognitive impacts uh, to your you know your cognition uh, that uh, that are very important. So there are many 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 different. I think dynamics that right now we can't even anticipate, but believe me, they will all be uh, developed for the for the reason of reaching an audience that seeks those kinds of things, especially as the population ages. Yeah. Stefan, your part, <laughs> come on. <laughs> he's, he's so impressed, he's speechless. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that it's only an audio podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> thank god thank god it's just audio <laughs> <laughs> no and we should save this video and, and publish it i think people would get a kick out of it <laughs> okay <laughs> i can do it <laughs> no problem <laughs> of course you can <laughs> um You know, um, staffing is a major problem, uh, uh, not only in the fitness, but the service industry in general. It's about payment. It's about the working hours. It's about the working days. And so, for example, that not the weekend is in general off, like for a typical uh, person working in the office. Um, and I guess that's an international problem, not just a German one. Uh, people searching for the right staff in their fitness club and uh, sometimes are quite frustrated how the results are. So, and you mentioned that you had uh, with Franco's quite some <laughs> intense contact about, let's say 30 years ago. Do you have any tips for fitness club operators regarding where to find appropriate stuff? Wow, well, that's a big question. What a great question. Uh, it, it's it's multi-layered. Um, you know, first you have the mega trends globally. In fact, uh, it's funny because uh, I've been going to FIBO for over a decade, and um, I tell my American counterparts that uh, they should be paying a lot of attention about what is going on in Europe and what has been going on in Europe because the labor challenges in the United States. Europeans were dealing with this way before the United States was dealing with this. And that is why automation, look at basic fit, a good example. Automation is far more, um, was far more deployed, uh, whether it's SATs or all these other chains of clubs, they, they, they are, they've been dealing with this and automation for a longer time. So you, you have the number one thing, Stefan, is what business model are you operating? Because obviously, Certain business models require very little staff, um, and then if you if you're if you're trying to execute a middle market offering with full group fitness and full personal training, that's where it gets really hard. Uh, and you know that's where low price competitors in the last decade and a half have been the lion's share of growth because lower price, lower burden of staff. And that is what has given them a competitive edge. Uh, at the same time, and I'm going to get to answer your question in a second, but at the same time, globally, especially the United States, but globally as well, we are not bringing enough young professionals into the industry to take these positions because now they have so many alternatives, whether they are the gig economy, so they can go drive for Uber, 
or you know they have choices. And uh, like many industries in the service industry, it's going to be a combination of a few things to make our businesses more attractive. One is we got to pay people more money, uh, and we have to have a professional path for their kind of growth. Um, and the only way you're going to do that is make your models more profitable and, and deliver a higher service to justify the training and, uh, and career paths that will make that work. The problem you have in, in, in identifying staff now is if you're in a business model that doesn't contemplate these issues, it's going to get harder, not easier. Um, uh, it's going to get harder. So I think Right now, operators really need to get their hands around what type of business they want to compete with, um, because the, the type of business model they choose is going to require a certain approach to the labor market that if, if, you, if you're not aware of what we're talking about right here, you're going to continue to suffer, and you can't, you can't really blame anyone but yourself. So either if you are in a full service, boutique-ish kind of situation, you're going to have to pay high wages to get good talent. And then you're going to have to price your services to justify it. But you can't, you can't pay high wages and not deliver an experience that demands a higher price. So it's a choice. You have to make choices. And that's the key to competition. What you don't want to do is think, you know, hope is not a strategy. You know, if you don't, if you don't make the right choice, you can't expect an outcome to be different. And I think a lot of people struggle with that uh, because it's difficult to make those choices. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> I mean, hey, but that, that is, Markus, that is always our words as well. You see yeah. so many clubs where you actually have close to zero service, which is, Absolutely fine if you just pay 15 euros a month, uh, but if you charge 50, 60, 70, 80 euros a month, uh, I'm expecting that I get welcomed differently when I enter the club, that I get talked to differently, that there is staff which can help me if I need help or that provides additional services whatsoever. Otherwise, I could say, why shall I pay triple or quadruple the price? Then I can also go to the 15 euro uh, competitors. That's, that's right. That's right. In, in, in your experience, like mine, I've seen operations that are demanding five times the, the dues. But when you look past some of the aesthetics of the build out, the level of service does not warrant that differentiation. And that is where the opportunity lies. And you can't, if you're operating that kind of a business, in that way, and you're not paying attention to what you just described, Stefan, you're in trouble. Yep. Yeah. And with, with the demographics, with more yep. and more older people going to the gym, in my opinion, it's the uh, perfect the perfect client for your business, charging a little more, but bringing this extra service because these people will stick to you. They don't immediately jump into the new club opening around the corner. And right. what I hear a lot, it's of course, it's also about well-being and training, but it's also a lot of about being recognized, getting attention, having a little chit-chat, you know, in the bistro or 
uh, in the trainings floor. It's not 100% training. It's about, you know, the yeah. trainer steps up. Hey, Marcos, how are you doing? This kind of stuff. That also, uh, keeping the equipment uh, uh, picked up and orderly, making sure that the the stations are clean, uh, you know, having more people on the fitness floor in general, uh, just servicing uh, members, uh, making sure the plates are stacked back where they need to be, keeping it organized. These are little touches that, uh, you know, I see them in clubs charging $100 uh, US and, and there's a planet down the street at $10. And if I'm paying $100 US, I would think that those little details would be taken care of, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they should, they should. But the thing is, with the employees, if the managers give them a good feeling, a feeling of safeness, something special, or like Emma Berry said, make your trainer rock stars. That's, yeah. that's something I think it's really important. And uh, many club operators, they are the problem <laughs> they should yeah. look into the mirror and uh, think about how they treat their employees and giving a higher reason because we are in an industry for health for better life for for making the human race better and so if they have this feeling like stefan and me in this industry it is totally normal to to be friendly with a smile and with with open arms and like this Yes, you have to be. You have to bring that energy every day. Yeah, <laughs> it comes from inside. That's, That's right. That's yeah, right. time is flying. <laughs> If I say time is flying, it means we are at the end of this episode. And um, I would just say thank you very much. Have a safe traveling today, and uh, hope to see you soon in personally, and not. Uh, with the modern technique. Stefan. I will, be, uh, I will be coming to see you guys at some point soon and listen to the employees that are listening to this, 1,700 employees around the world. I want to tell you what a great honor it is to serve you, and I'm going to do my very best to help us all together make our company better and make a bigger impact on the world. So thank you. That's great. Thank you a lot. This Brian, was thanks for your time. It was an honor speaking to you, and talk to you soon. We'll see you soon, guys. Thank you. Thanks. See Bye -bye. you soon. Chest and Biceps, your Monday podcast. Thank you very much for being here, Mr. Brian O'Rourke. And bye-bye. Stay healthy. See you soon. Bye.